Sisters Talk Brothers is a spoiler-filled podcast about the TV show Supernatural. Music credit goes to Hans Adam and their song in the Creative Commons called Paint the Sky. Driver picks the music, Shotgun shuts his cake hole. On with the show. Why, hello, Kindle. And, oh my gosh, hello, world. Hi, world. Thanks for stopping by. Welcome to Sisters Talk Brothers, where two real-life sisters discuss them crazy boys who are brothers doing all that supernatural stuff. Family style. Yes. To get the full effect, you have to imagine me doing finger guns when I say family style. (laughs) I was thinking jazz hands, but I like finger guns better. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Here's looking at you, kid. Family style. Family style. <laughs> well, Hannah. Yes? This has just been a topsy-turvy world these last few months. So much going on. So much happening. Yeah, so as as the listeners should know by now, we pre-record our episodes. So what is happening right now, <laughs> you will hear me talk about soon. So no? basically... Two months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Two months ago for you, but right now for me? Actually, hold on. I I can do this. I can do math. I can can count forward in time, right? Right. This is episode 16. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, okay. So this is going to be going up on May 15th. So a month. A month from now. Okay. A month and a half from now. So a month ago, a month and a half for you... We got some news in the fandom that there is only one more season of Supernatural. Oh my gosh, there's only one more whole season to go? Only one more whole season to go. <laughs> the whole week season. They wanted to end on an even 15. Yeah, it like I've seen online, you know, it was supposed to end in season 5, but then some fan, or multiple fans, sold their soul for another 10 years. Oh, beautiful. Thanks, guys. I was thinking it's more like the Supernatural Dozen. The Supernatural Dozen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But the 10 years does time out pretty perfectly. <laughs> it, it does. It's it's almost supernatural. supernatural. <laughs> so while it is very sad to say goodbye, um, I mean, we still ha- we have all this time to say goodbye, but it's it's not as final as it seems because we have all of these years of memories and of episodes and we can always go back and the boys will always be there. Yeah, it's more of a a bittersweet, aw shucks, it's ending, than it is a gut punch and a stab in the back of, no, we love this show, why are you canceling it before it's time? This isn't a sensate or a firefly. Right. This, it's, it's had, it has had its time. They've done everything that they could do, at, at least as far as I can think. Hannah, I know you're yes. not caught up entirely with season 14 yet, but recently there was an episode, and the fans raved about the episode on Tumblr. That it was a great Sam episode, great Cass episode, just great character episode. I think I've seen some pictures. The boys are so powerful now. That the monster they fought, it was like being back in season one. They didn't solve the case. The case just solved itself, and Sam and Cass walked off at the end of it, knowing nothing about the monster, having done nothing to solve it. And everyone's loving this episode, and I'm sitting back going- They didn't do anything! They literally just made up bullshit and didn't solve anything and didn't explain anything. (laughs) You don't know what you're doing anymore. (laughs) Because it was just it was a season one throwback, you know. <laughs> Gotta give it to him. And then the very next episode was Dean and Sam come across a monster they've never come across before. And the entire time I'm watching it, I'm going, "It's a Wendigo." I mean, it's basically a Wendigo. It's a Wendigo without being a Wendigo. Is what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> they've just run out of stories, folks. 
So I'm hoping that the only thing I'm hoping for with a season and a quarter to go is that they give all of the characters in the show a happy ending. I hope it's not the season five ending where it's tragic, but appropriate, I guess. Because at this point, you've gone so long, appropriate has gone out the window. I think appropriate went out the window when you killed a dragon and you killed God's sister and mom came back to life. Like God's sister is not dead. Okay, fine. They're off having a family reunion in space. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I feel like I just want, let's just have them end it and they're happy. I don't see that. I can help. I, I would, I would love for them to have an happy ending. Sure. But, um, I don't see it happening because as long as they're alive, they're going to be hunting. And as long as they're hunting, the fans are going to want to see that. So, I mean, I've already heard that people are petitioning for them to continue the show, but this was the actor's decision. Yeah, they probably want to do other things. Explore yeah. other characters. I'm pretty sure Jensen Ackles would love to stop identifying as Dean in his daily life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, try out some other characters. Not not that they don't... They love these characters as mm-hmm. much, if not more, than we do. So, But 15 years is a long-ass time. They were babies when they started on the show, and now they're in their 40s with multiple children. See, what I would like to see is... It's unlikely that they'll, you know, meet the loves of their lives and have offspring that they can raise to be hunters. No. Dean has already met the love of his life. What are you talking about? (laughs) I know. I know. But what I would like to see is maybe taking in fledgling hunters and they have the bunker and so they can, like, rebuild the Men of Letters in their own image and Mm -hmm. have their own little fledgling hunters out in the world and... They die, going out fighting, guns blazing, have each other's backs, and they just, they go down swinging. See, for me, my happy ending for Sam is that he finally gets out of the life. <laughs> Especially in this episode we're about to talk about. It just made me really mournful for Sam. Yeah. And how he never, ever, ever wanted this life, and this life has hurt him so much. <laughs> and I think to go out in this life would be the sad ending for him. One other thing I wanted to talk about, I'll try to make it as brief as possible. Yes. Eight years ago, I was supposed to meet Misha Collins, but he was not at the convention I was going to because his wife was having their second baby. So that's fine. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. His wife was having their second baby. Oh my gosh, she will forever remember the date of that second baby's birth. So totally understandable that I didn't get to meet him, but it was it was very hard and I cried. But I did get to have a picture with Mark Pellegrino. He was very nice. He hugged me. This month, um, just a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine, Jason, paid for me to go to the Supernatural convention in Nashville. And I got to have a photo with Misha. It was, it was very brief and loud, but I did get to show him the cast tattoo on my arm and... He put his arm around me. We got the photo. I kind of awkwardly patted his chest as I walked away about to cry. And and then I ran to the bathroom and and did cry. But it was amazing. You are so precious. (laughs) So does it make it easier, Hannah, for you to say goodbye to the series, knowing that you did at least get to meet Misha before the show ended? I still plan on meeting all of them. Here's the thing, folks. They ain't going to stop the conventions. Oh, hell no. That's too much of a moneymaker. And, and, like, right now, I have a picture with Mark Pellegrino. I have a picture with Misha Collins. Now I just need to get the rest of them, and I will have my <laughs> whole little family album set up oh in, gosh. like, an altar in, in my future home. Like, oh this my is my you're, supernatural family. Your own dark altar. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, that would be a light altar, you know. Blessings. Like, thank you for everything that you've done. Here's a candle. <laughs> okay, okay. You're... Horrible and ador- and adorable. Yes. Sorry, I was going to say horrifying and adorable, but it both works. <laughs> <laughs> horrifying and adorable. I'm horrible. I love it. <laughs> That's it. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that, Hannah. And Supernatural listeners, it gonna be okay. It is. It gonna be okay. Let's get into... Season 1, 
episode 16, Shadow. So we have our recap. We see lots of shots of the boys doing their business. And it seems that maybe we're finally done with the whole origin story recap. Thank you. And then they do basically a speed run of Scarecrow to remind us of who Meg is and why we shouldn't trust her. And overall, that recap was almost enjoyable. (laughs) Almost. 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 Do you ever think there will be a time where I just sit back and go, ah, recap. That was lovely. No. No. (laughs) I mean, you may not hate it, but uh, no, I don't think you'll ever be like, that was great. Never gonna love it. Never gonna love it, never gonna love it, never gonna love it. So we open in Chicago, which is a real place, verifiable, and we're watching Meredith walk home at night, which is normally scary business in itself, but it's especially scary when you hear the wind whispering your name. Okay, thank you for telling me that, because, again... No subtitles. Except en français. And I was like, what the? What are they saying? What are they saying? Yeah, I couldn't quite figure out, though, Hmm. if you think it was the Deva or Meg who killed Meredith Zune so that she could hear her name being whispered. (laughs) And was it the Deva whispering? Because we'd never hear them whisper again. Well, we didn't see them attack the man, so maybe they whisper on certain missions? Like, they whisper on stealth missions, but the boys were the main plan. I guess there's no point in trying to... Analyze it this much? ...scare the Winchesters, because they know what's coming. So, the Deva likes to play with their food, is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Well, Meredith is not having it. She runs to her building, rushes in, sets her alarm, and she finally feels safe. Yeah, not, not me. I think she was. I think she was in her own head because there wasn't anybody following her, and she probably felt like she was imagining things, and she was just freaked out. But she's home. There was nobody chasing her. Her alarm is set. She's safe. So she grabs a beer and she goes to check her home phone voicemails. Which, wow, that's a blast from the past. <laughs> Millennials watching this, going, "What is she listening to?" <laughs> hey, I'm a millennial, and I know you're talking Gen X. Sorry, you're right. I meant Gen X. I'm just so used to everybody bashing on millennials. It's the first thing <laughs> that comes to mind. All these millennials. All these millennials don't know nothing. So we watch a shadow creep across her wall. And just as we hear her friend's message talking about a lover who ripped Meredith's heart out, we see Meredith's heart get literally ripped out by the shadow. You know, I wasn't particularly aware that you could have an alarm system in an individual apartment. Seems cool. Like, I should look into that. Yeah, I've never... Well, because any other time that I've watched this episode, this was back home in West Tennessee in our mother's house. But now I'm in an apartment, and then I see her with an alarm in her apartment. I'm like, hey. Yeah, I've never put an alarm on any of my apartments, but now I'm wondering if I should have. I mean, I was very lucky. Not that they would do you any good against Davas, apparently. No, no good against Davas. And I do kind of appreciate that, even though it was her last moment on this plane of existence, she got to spend it having a beer and hearing from people who love her. Yeah. So, I mean, a terrible way to go, but... There are worse ways. It seems it seemed quick. Yeah. <laughs> she was happy when she went, until she went. <laughs> okay, so the boys arrive on the scene, and they're matching working man onesies, complete with <laughs> embroidered names. So they look so cute. They're posing as employees of the alarm system company that Meredith used in vain. This case piqued their interest because Meredith lost her heart and was torn to shreds without any alarms being tripped. Locks being broken, furniture disturbed, nothing. They gather this information from the building's superintendent and Dean's new friend at the police station. She's a... She's a Sagittarius. (coughs) And she loves tequila. (laughs) She loves tequila. Dean's like, I could not keep up with her. Shit. (laughs) <laughs> I was puking in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> she was just down in that bottle. Ah. Investigating the scene, it's orbing like crazy, and Dean <laughs> spots a pattern in the blood on the ground. 
No matter that this is also a bullshit thing that they only try once in the whole series because it's a bunch of mildewed baloney. Yeah, just looking at the blood splatter, it's just blood splatter. There is no shape. But he puts down mm-hmm. this electrical tape in a pattern. <laughs> I'm like, how did you see that? That's not even there. He's looking at clouds and making a shape. I, I could do that with spilled milk on the ground. Oh my gosh, it made a shape. Like, this is basically the same bullshit method that people in the past would use of reading in tea leaves and shit. Hey, now. <sighs> Don't knock divination. But this isn't divination, Hannah. No, it's not. Um, he, he really could have gathered any symbol from that. Exactly. I remember watching this the first time with you, and honestly enjoying the series so far, but this moment I have always remembered as... What the fuck was that bullshit? <laughs> it don't make no sense. The woman, the the manager of the apartment, the owner, super. She said that their alarms were as useful as boobs on a man. I knew you were gonna mention that. <laughs> and it and, and it just it threw me off. I was like, what? <laughs> boobs are useful on a man. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, it, it just it it caught me off guard. <laughs> I loved that Dean was complaining about the costumes, and I feel like maybe he did it just so he could have a chance to bring up Sam's childhood play. Yeah. And it's crazy that he even remembers the name of it, and he just wanted to reminisce. Our town. Yeah. And I didn't like that Sam was once again hating on the fact that they aren't earning honest wages, but all too happy to spend that money on costumes to help them get the job done well. The job that prevents them from earning the honest wages that <laughs> that causes them to do credit card scams to spend money on costumes. <laughs> like, Sam, do you not see the error in... Uh, so, the boys apparently split up and then meet up later at the bar where Meredith worked. Allegedly after having split up to follow some different leads. We see that they are not only using John's journal, but they could also maybe be adding to it because we see Sam pull out a second article from the journal, which is about another person who died very similarly to Meredith. But they have no leads on the symbol and nothing connecting the two victims, so the boys are stumped. But hey, at least he got the bartender's number. Right about this time, Sam spots a familiar blonde haircut in the crowd and takes a huge fucking gamble by just grabbing that person's shoulder. I wonder who she was talking to before he walked away. Like, just a random person that walked up to her at a bar? Or was she, like, conspiring with another demon? It doesn't matter, but that's what I wondered. Oh, I just figured Meg was really good at making friends. (laughs) Yeah, Sam's one lucky mofo, because yes, it is Meg. And wow, what a coinkydink. Like, what would he have done if it wasn't her? Like, oh, sorry, thought you were someone else. Like, you grabbed me. Uh, I've actually done that before. It was at a military ball. And so all the military people are in matching outfits and matching hairdos. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went up behind a person of about the same height as my wife, same hair color, obviously same hairdo, grabbed their shoulder and was like, hey, baby. And turns around, it was one of her students and not her. And I was like, oh, no, no. Sorry. Excuse me. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) So it would have been even more awkward if this had not been Meg. Yeah. There's a lot of awkward conversation as it is, because these are two people who don't know each other trying to make small talk. Sam does eventually through this conversation learn her hometown and last name, but he doesn't offer back in kind. So it kind of makes you wonder... (laughs) Rude. Yeah. They got close, but not that close, back in Iowa... Illinois, Indiana, maybe Illinois, Idaho. (laughs) (laughs) The conversation gets even more awkward because Dean is lurking so hard (laughs) behind Sam's shoulder, just begging to be introduced and be included in the conversation. And then the conversation hits awkward high when Meg gets introduced to Dean and then lays in to Dean for his treatment of Sam. Why don't you let him do what he wants to do? Stop dragging him over God's green earth. And Dean knew nothing about Sam's complaints, so it's even more awkward. (sighs) I couldn't stand it. (laughs) So 
Dean happily excuses himself to the bar. Happy for me. I don't know if it was happy for him. <laughs> and Sam gets Meg's number with a promise to call her for a hookup. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hookup. As the boys leave the bar, Sam's like, this isn't a coincidence. And Dean's like, no, you just need a quickie because Jess has been dead for like, what, six months now? Seven months? Blah. Just go get laid. Or maybe he's thinking that Sam needs some closure for the grief. I hope that's what he's thinking, but because otherwise he's being an asshole. Sam tells Dean to go see if there really is a Meg Masters from Andover, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Which? Which is a real place. And if he can learn any more about that weird symbol. Because Sam's going to go stalk him a lady. I like before Sam goes and talks to Meg. He was saying that he looked through the usual books. Yes! You mind reader! What books? What books do you have? You have John's journal. Yes! I was like, where are these books kept? (laughs) It's in one of the layers of the Impala. Now later they do pull out of the duffel bag for like two or three books tied together in a bundle. Yeah, like, they never even... Anyway. But I just have to imagine that they check out the same books at every library in every (laughs) town they go to. Yeah, because they don't just have books on them all the time. Um, They don't have a library. It's ridiculous. And and I love how Meg is... She doesn't use her demon powers because she's, like, keeping that a secret for whatever reason. But she keeps dropping these hints in the last Megasode that we watched. And then in this Megasode, she was like, show you a hell of a time. Oh, and her, if it were me, I would kill him. <laughs> yeah. Like, murder. Murder. Yeah, you would actually murder. Murder sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, I loved Megan this for all of her subtle hints that she's actually a demon. And I loved, I I almost wish she weren't a demon because her honesty is so much fun. When Sam says, oh, I'm here with friends, and she looks around. (laughs) Where are they? (laughs) Uh, They're not here. (laughs) uh, And is it weird that I, like, love her teeth? She's got great teeth. I don't know. She has great teeth. I was kind of just obsessed obsessed with watching her teeth this episode. You know what I didn't love in this this scene here? Mm. I didn't like Dean. Oh, it was so awkward. Like, she wasn't even that into me. <laughs> God, that's so you. And then, okay, you can get mad that your brother, you know, is talking about you behind your back, but that's kind of what people have to do to process emotions like that. Yeah. But he says, he calls it bitching about me to some chick, which is so demeaning and insulting and like sam even explains you know this was after our fight this was months ago i'm past it can we focus on the case at hand i did love dean picking on sam because you would do the same thing it's along the same lines of you purposely trying to gross me out okay fair fair (laughs) yeah Yeah. i was like yeah you would that makes me see it a wholly different way (laughs) thinking a little you're thinking a little too much with your upstairs brain Okay, yeah. So maybe Dean isn't actually being inconsiderate of the fact that Sam literally just lost his girlfriend. <sighs> Jess. <laughs> but more that he's just making his brother uncomfortable because it's fun. I like that. I didn't like the, am I keeping you here against your will? Which is a bit of an undercurrent for this episode. Because mm-hmm. that is an insecurity of Dean's, but it is actually, in a way, something that Dean is guilty of. So... I wanted to address this a little later in another scene. Okay. So, we'll get to that in just a minute. Hold on, folks. Hold your horses. We're getting there. So, Dean does his homework and gives Sam a call. I I really like seeing Dean doing some research. Sam, we see, has the Impala. We We see Dean doing research a lot. Yes. Come on. But Come on. But the focus is always on, you know, Sam does the research and Dean is the fighter. But they're both equally anyway. It's not all Abraka. Fuck you. They <laughs> they are multi-dimensional beings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Abraka. Fuck you. <sighs> great. That's great. Okay. <laughs> Sam, we see, has parked the Impala out front of some nice-looking apartments. Dean reports that Meg is a real person, so stop being a freaky deek and go up there and tell her you want to bang. Dean also got information on that symbol from John's weapon supplier, Caleb, on the symbol. It's a Zoastrian sigil for a deva, so it's time to... 
Name that, that monster. First, Zoroastrianism, since many might not be familiar with this religion. It is similar to many of the major religions we see today, and in fact may have influenced those religions. Uh, who's really to say? Records of it go to about the year 500 or so after the start of the Common Era, but its roots are said to go even further back. It's still practiced today. It's a monotheistic religion with, you know, clear sides of good and evil, and it's credited to an Iranian prophet, Zarathustra. And as for the main moral standard, I think the way to have a clear idea of what Zoroastrianism is, is that there's no predestination. You are responsible for your life. Good things happen when you are good to your relationships, your environment, and your situations. And the opposite holds true as well. So their moral code is summed up in the phrase, good thoughts, good words, good deeds. They're known as the good religion. And also in the funny way that the world works, I'd never really encountered this religion, which it's still a pretty major religion, you know, even though it's kind of waning, especially in India and the surrounding nations. But anyways, I just watched that Freddie Mercury film, Bohemian Rhapsody, the other night. Like, literally just the other night watched it. And his family was Zoroastrian, and you hear his dad say that motto several times in the movie. So it was kind of weird. So let's go to devas. Now, this is all a little iffy, but devas work for the bad guy in Zoroastrianism. Angra Mainyu, or aka Ariman. And now there's a lot of history where devas are given names and jobs and faces, and they have quote-unquote angelic counterparts. But, from what I've been able to figure out, originally, and again today, devas weren't and aren't individuals or even entities. They are simply the darkness that resides in all of us that we have to battle every day. They're more of a concept and less of a quote-unquote reality. Which I guess in a way makes the fact that they are portrayed as shadows, but not really being shadows, in this episode kind of appropriate. Mm. So, all this to say, Zoroastrianism is a real religion that is practiced today. It is based around being good people and being held accountable for your actions, which honestly seems a lot better than the whole saying of, the devil made me do it. So, there you go. Yay! That was the monster. Good section. So, the boys have their fictional monster a demon of the shadows that loves to rip people a new one and must be controlled by someone in town, someone who doesn't have much to lose or so much power they ain't scared. Dean, again, encourages Sam to have a meaningless encounter, which Sam scoffs at while ogling Meg changing up in her room. A passing couple chastises him, which really, that lady had to have been looking too to know that Sam was looking. I mean, I appreciate it, though. (laughs) (laughs) He would have just been better off saying that he's her boyfriend waiting for her to come down so they can go on a date. Yeah, but it still would be weird that you, the boyfriend, are just staring up at an open window of your girlfriend changing and not giving a call saying, hey, maybe you want to close your curtains? I mean, he could say that, you know, they're they're into voyeurism. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) I do have to say, this is why my wife nags on me all the time to keep the curtains shut. Mm -hmm. It's people like you, Sam. People like you that keep me from enjoying the sunshine. You ogglers. Meg leaves her apartment without an umbrella. Sam follows, also without an umbrella. It nagged me. (laughs) It bugged me. It's raining, you guys. Where are your umbrellas? Mm. We know they have umbrellas. We do. (laughs) We've seen them. They just don't care about them when it doesn't fit into the character that they're faking. It's never going to fit into their characters ever again. Ever again. They're always playing characters that don't own umbrellas. <laughs> I'm playing a tough hunter guy, and this tough <laughs> hunter guy is named Sam, and he doesn't carry umbrellas. They wind up at an old factory building, where Sam shimmies up an empty elevator shaft to spy on Meg, making her bloody goblet phone call. She came all this way just for that, kindly keeping her dark trap away from civilians. Sam thinks he's super smart for finding her dark altar. If she had simply been a human, I'd say he didn't do a half-bad job of tailing her, but being as 
she's not. We know she's not. I have every reason to believe that she knew <laughs> that he was there. Duh. And kudos on season one, Sam's athletics. He has very dexterous fingers. Seriously. <laughs> like, that's all I could think while he was climbing up this elevator shaft. I was like, man, those are some dexterous fingers, you guys. He was like a monkey. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure why she had to go out of her way to make a phone call. Like, I mean, the lady in Faith kept hers in the basement. Well, I mean, we've seen her do it on the side of the road. And yeah. I guess the blood doesn't have to be that fresh because the blood was just in there waiting. Maybe what we didn't see was she was going out to kill a person to collect some blood. She would then pour into the goblet for the phone call. But again, that doesn't explain why she needs a whole separate building. The only thing I can think is she wants a whole separate building to make specifically a trap. And she wants to be separate from her home because this is work. (laughs) And when she's off work, she wants her own space that is not work to relax in. Yeah. Off making friends. That's all I could think. But I did, for all that Sam was, I'm so smart for tailing this person and figuring out that she is up to something. And he was saying it's kind of weird that she shows up right as we're investigating this case. But then when he finds the altar with that same symbol on it just everywhere, he's surprised. Like he found that Meg was talking into a goblet full of rose petals surrounded by pictures of Maybe him, because he's her crush. Like, what did he expect to find? Yeah. Mm. One last little question. Mm -hmm. Do you think after Dean gets teased like this by Sam for not reading books, that this is when Dean really starts reading books? Uh, I hope so. Because, like, we know that he does. Mm -hmm. But we don't know when. But that's a good point that you've just made. Like, I I can headcanon that. That he's like, when's the last time you read a book? Yeah, sometime between now and meeting God, he's read Vonnegut. Yes. At least. The boys meet back up, both super excited to be the first one to say, Get this! Dude, I gotta talk to you! Sam wins, and also gets an I told you so in about Meg. Dean's info is that both the victims were originally born in Lawrence, Kansas, although he doesn't seem to realize this until after... He learns that Meg is the one controlling the Devas, so I don't know what his information was going to be before. Anyways, neither of them have any idea of what this could be aimed at, the fact that both of the victims were born in Lawrence, and they kind of just assume instead that Yellow Eyes is super horny for Kansas. They decide to play it cool and slow, scope out the place before making any rash decisions, And they're so on it, in fact, that they update John on the situation via voicemail. And they pack everything their trunk has to offer, including books. The aforementioned books. The aforementioned books that hold exorcisms that they totally could have used. They really could have used those exorcisms. Sam is just feeling so confident they have stumbled upon their revenge that he's already drooling about going back to Stamford and finding a nice new normal girlfriend. I think he uses the phrase, be a person again, which, ouch. Like, yeah. That really gives insight into how Sam views himself and u- views this lifestyle. It's not, it's not a life. It's not being human. It's like a stab at Dean. But, but it's not. I think it's completely fair that Sam feels that way. Well, yeah, but Dean hearing that. No, yeah. So... Dean is sad that Sam feels this way because Dean, in my opinion, is really missing his family unit. He just wants family. And Sam kindly but firmly tells Dean it's not the life he wants. And Sam is so naive and so adorable when he asks what Dean wants outside of this life. Uh, He should know. Well, no, because we are all the center of our own universes right yeah and i guess like the way he sees his brother is he sees all the things about him aside from hunting so he could see dean owning his own mechanic shop and shit like that Mm -hmm. but he also for himself he sees hunting as a life forced upon him so he also assumes that the hunting life was forced upon Dean. And in a way, it was forced upon Dean. And Dean sticks with it because it's the only option he feels he really has. For Sam, hunting is just a pastime until the demon is dead. Mm-hmm. But what they don't realize yet is that this whole thing 
is so much bigger than getting revenge for Jess and their mom. So much bigger than that. I know. But that's not really what's the issue here. The The issue here is that Sam thinks that he and his brother are more alike than different. And so Sam asks what Dean wants to do after hunting. He just wants to stay with his family. But I love that Dean doesn't have an answer for it. Or at least he doesn't have an answer for what he wants outside of hunting that doesn't seem impossible to Dean or that he's not embarrassed to admit. Yeah. But I do love that in this moment, we, the audience, get to hear that, yes, Sam wants for Dean to have dreams too, or he assumes that Dean has dreams. Mm -hmm. But Dean gets his very heartbroken speech about how he just wants his family. And I have to say, in this moment, I get the Wincest. I don't ship it, but I get it. Dean's a little over the top in the fraternal love. I want us to be a family again. Yeah. Making it sound like he didn't need to go get his brother to save his dad or what have you. He just wanted Sam. Well, yeah. Mr. Broader. I know. It's just, Dean just wants a family. Whatever the hunter version of a picket white fence family is. And the only one he can imagine right now is Sam and John. Later on, especially season 14, we will get him admitting that he does have a family now. And it's not, it's not John, Sam, and Dean. It's something different. But at this moment, that is the only family he can imagine. And he's not getting it. And for a person who has sacrificed pretty much everything else, every other dream he's had in his life, it is heartbreaking that he's not getting his one wish no matter how childish it may be but that being said i do have trouble forgiving dean here in this moment i'm sorry i know i'm monologuing i had a lot of thoughts on this scene Mm -hmm. because how many times has he heard and seen from sam that hunting isn't the lifestyle sam wants Mm -hmm. a lot a lot but how many times have we seen dean make any effort To provide that normal life for Sam. To find some kind of exit for Sam. Mm, No. No. Even when Dean is in purgatory and he comes back and finds that Sam had some kind of normal life, he gets freaking pissed that Sam just quit. (laughs) Yeah. And ostensibly it's because you quit searching for Dean and Sam's like, no, I didn't stop searching for you. I still had that going. I was like... I tried a lot of different things. There, was, there wasn't there was a way. There wasn't a way, and I didn't want to hunt. And what happens when Dean com- comes back? Sam, for better or for worse, chooses hunting again. Not because he wants it, but because he feels obligated to it. And so I'm, I l- I'm a little mad at Dean here for being selfish, I guess. What, what hurt me at the end of the scene was when Sam was like, I don't want to live this life forever, and at some point you're going to have to let me go. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. It hurt me because he will live this life forever, and Dean will never let him go. Yep. And that makes me mad, because Sam doesn't deserve this. Not that Dean deserves... It was forced upon him. Like, he had absolutely no choice in this. Yep. I mean, literally, this is a life that was forced upon him by a demon. By his mother. By a combo of forces, some of them pure evil, but now that it's forced upon him, he just has to live this life forever. That's not fair, and the one person who should be on his side and helping him fight that, quote, destiny, should be his brother. That's all I'm saying. We don't get to see how our one chick flick moment of the episode resolves, because we cut straight back to the factory where the boys aren't scoping it out. No, they are shimmying like so many monkeys up that elevator shaft to chill on the same floor as Meg. But they just walk in on whatever she may be, summoning something they don't know how to fight mm-hmm. with just guns. Oh yeah, playing it real safe. Being so smart. Just guns. So smart. Just guns. They are supernaturally quiet, despite all the metal and chains around and on them. Uh, the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, the sound effects guy is not doing their job. <laughs> and also, they don't know, but we know, that Meg is a demon with her super demon powers. Which, I I just assume that demons have super good hearing. I don't know why I think that, but that's what I go with. But since they don't know what she is, they don't know that she doesn't have super hearing. <laughs> they think she's a human. I thought she was a human up till the end of this episode. 
Originally, not this time around. Well, yeah, good point. As soon as she finishes her meditation, Meg tells the boys to come out of hiding. Words are exchanged, and the Davas knock the boys out. They wake up, slashed to hell, tied to posts, and being taunted by Meg. Sam explains to Meg how this was all a trap and how he figured it out five minutes ago. Ring-a-ding-ding. Tell him what he's won. She blows all their minds, however, when she reveals that this was a trap for John. A trap that is working. (laughs) Two quick things here. Mm -hmm. I love the Padalecki nose twitch of painful realization. (laughs) It's a trap for Dad. And the... I'm definitely paraphrasing here, but baby, I've killed people for phone calls. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, oy, God, I love her. Yep. Mm. To pass the time, Meg tries to seduce Sam, and it's awkward. Dean fumbles with his knife, on purpose or not, we'll never know, and Meg feels triumphant in that she foiled their escape plot, except, oh no, what's this? Sam had a knife, too. He was able to cut through the ropes, and... Eh. Say it. No. Yes. He was able to cut through the ropes and get a boner at the same time. You have no yes. proof. You have no proof. He was into it. No, he wasn't. A little bit he was into it. He thought about being into it, but... <laughs> I really thought they were going to kiss after the I'm all tied up right now line. <laughs> yeah, 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 me too. Oy, oy. <laughs> Awkward. Even after multiple times watching, I was like, they gon' kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Sam headbutts Meg, and if she wasn't a demon, that would have knocked her the fuck out, I believe. I believe. Mm, because I don't know. I, d- d- Sam's got a strong head. How would you know? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying, he head- headbutted her real hard. Okay. I I don't think that would knock her out. But it does lay her out. It does lay her out, yes. Even this early on, the Winchesters are very strong against demons. <laughs> they are supernatural. And you said while she lays there as the weakest demon ever, I'm pretty sure she's still, like, playing, acting weak. Why would she play while Sam runs over to destroy the Dark Altar? Listen to me. Okay, maybe the Dark Altar is not how she controls the Devas, but still. <sighs> Sam runs over and destroys the altar that was controlling the Davas. These shadow demons throw Meg out of the window with a loud, You're not my mom! And the boys are happy that they solved another case. But (laughs) because we know that she didn't die after, and because we know that the Davas were still doing her bidding, I don't think knocking over the altar did a damn thing, and I think Meg had the Davas throw her out the window to make the boys think that they had did some good. Okay. Okay, very smart. I enjoy this so much more. I do remember first time watching this thinking that she was a human and she was dead. Mm-hmm. And feeling a little sad that, aw, she died. Because she was just a human. Maybe she don't know better. I don't know. Uh, one thing we do learn here is that devas are physical. Uh-huh. They just block light, thereby creating shadows. So the whole premise of the escape at the end is undone. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. And, well, real quick, the that slash on Sam's face should have left him forever scarred. Oh, yeah. Forever scarred. That was like half an inch deep or a quarter of an inch. Ugh. Makes your toes clench. Ow. Oh, my God. It looks so bad. Mm. Terrible. So speaking of their impossible escape at the end of the story... Back at their hotel room, the Winchesters have an intruder. Papa John! It's Daddy! They have a tearful reunion, and it seems the trap did work, since John was right there when Meg went flying. And this makes it clear that nobody even tried to do anything with the body, they were just going to leave it for the police to find. Mm-hmm. Great. He explains the demon is trying harder to get to him, because one, John is close to catching it, and two, John plans to kill it not just send it back to hell. And the boys in the audience think, whoa, how is that even possible? Even though, pretty sure they kill more demons and humans than they ever exercise them. Mm-hmm. Outside, we see Meg going for a stroll. How is she still alive? 
She still controls the devas, and she sends them up to attack the Winchesters. And the shadow demons slice the boys up to the point that it's genuinely unbelievable that they are still alive, let alone able to walk and be pretty again in one episode. Sam is smart and decides that the only thing that can kill shadows is the stuff that makes shadows. Light! Weirdly, weirdly, it works well enough for the family to stumble outside of their vehicles. Once there, it's Dean who insists they split up in order to give their family their best and safest shot at completing the job. Sam isn't happy, but John insists that they will all have their hand in taking down this demon. After a final, trust me, Sam lets go. And they go their separate ways in the dark. Just in time, too, as Meg emerges, having just missed the Winchesters. Like, uh, it's him saying, you know, we're all going to have a part to play. It's just further evidence that he knows, and even in... Eh, it's further evidence that John knew, and even implies he knows more than we previously discussed what he knew. I mean, maybe. All of them, all of them having a part to play, yes. That is just a big plan. Do you think that... Thing. Do you think that means he knows that his kids are basically the reincarnations of Cain and Abel? I don't think he knows that much. Because John knows he's a descendant and a possible vessel for Michael, right? No. He doesn't know that? I don't think he does. Then what the hell are you saying that everyone has a part to play? What, what part does Dean have? Killing his brother. Sam's killer? Oh, great. Great role. So, Dean, your job is to kill <laughs> Sam. Sam, your job is to die. See, we're all doing our parts. <laughs> and, and and John's job is to kill the demon, is what he thinks. Ugh. It did make me a little sad that Dean apologized to his dad for falling for a trap and getting Sammy in danger. <laughs> that poor, emotionally abused child. <sighs> and you know what John's response was? It's okay. I knew it was a trap. Like, well, then fucking share that knowledge with your son so next time he doesn't fall for the trap. Yeah. Although in the future, Sam and Dean basically never fall for traps ever again. <laughs> yeah. Um, And they clear out so quickly from the hotel room with the understanding that the devas aren't gone. So where did they go? I mean, just in general. And why don't they come back? Do they just, like, call off the dogs once they're out of town? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, because these, these devas were super gnarly. And it would have been a great continuing thread, I think, to see them like, oh shit, the Davis caught up again. We've got to find a way to kill the Davis. We'll solve it next time on Supernatural. Next time. And they never do. Nope. The best I can think is they were replaced with hellhounds. And maybe that was just the writers being like, ah, this religion that's not Christianity. We'll just mention it once and then never speak of it ever again. <sighs> yeah. Alright, well, before we really get into what we loved and hated, <laughs> maybe we should talk some themes. Yes. Alright, give me a theme. Random guessworks. Uh, and that's in reference to, um, they technically weren't shadow demons, they have physical bodies that are invisible, and their shadows are the only part of them that you can see, but whatever, it worked for some reason. Yep. I have a theme of newspaper case. Yay. Yay. I have a theme of flirty Dean with the bartender and the number. Oh, that slutty Dean. Costumes. Yay, I have that theme. We got them. Costumes. I love costumes. Where do they keep all these costumes? The many layers of the trunk. And these are <laughs> monograms with their actual names. So That's adorable. It's adorable, and they must keep these around still. They went to that detail. <laughs> we have the second, as far as I know, swan dive. Yes. Because I did say I would keep track of that. It uh, happened I did in the notice the swan dive. First episode, I believe, Costa's taking a swan dive off the bridge, and then John saying, I arrived just in time to see the girl take a swan dive. She was the bad guy, right? Like... <laughs> Oy. Yeah. We see Dean taking some shots. Shot, 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 shot. And then, of course, this was a Megasode. Megasode! Megasode! So, I have Sam shaming how they get money. Of course. Kind of 
kind of paired with Sam wanting a normal life. Yeah. That poor baby just wants to be normal. <gasps> uh, Kale, am I right? <laughs> so, I bring this up. I don't know how much of a theme it's going to be, but this is the second time it's happening, so I feel like that's enough. Sam stalking girls. <laughs> you know? And, you know? I think, uh, yeah, that is a theme. Yeah. <laughs> Stalker Sam. <laughs> Stalker Sam. Uh, we have John and the boys. There's not many episodes where we get to see all of them together, but enough that it's family rare enough style. to be a theme. They're doing it family style. Yes. All right. And them boys all tied up. Well, tied up uh-uh. and tossed like rag dolls again. Mm-hmm. This is my last little theme. And I think it's something that just should have always been a theme, but this one really drove it home for me. How are they so pretty? <laughs> oh, because of the getting beat up all the time. Sam and Dean should be so permanently scarred. Just everywhere. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. Grizzly looking people. I mean, I get it. It's a TV show, and they really don't want to have to afford that kind of continuity and makeup. But dang... <laughs> How much more character would it have given them in the show if they had to do what they do going forward, only with just huge gashing scars across their face the whole series? Yeah. Until until Castiel comes along as like, you know what, all this scar tissue is really throwing off your game. Let me clear that up. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Maybe the angels know the prophecy and are coming down in the middle of the night and giving them sweet angel kisses on their faces and helping them heal faster. Yeah, Cass and Gabe. Yeah. <laughs> ah, love it. And speaking of what I love... Hannah, when Dish, what did you hate? I hated that Meg had to go out of her way to make a phone call and that light works on Davis. Yep, yep. Because, I mean, if they were simply shadow demons, like, made up of shadow, then yeah, sure, that would make total sense. But she even tells them that they are physical beings, you just can't see them, except for their shadows. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it shouldn't have worked! They didn't even try to shoot them once. Mm -mm. Once! Like, "Hmm, if your shadow is there, let me just track the, not trajectory, what would be the word, the positioning... Based on yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel you. Displacement. Yeah. I don't know. Star Trek this shit. Yeah. Is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, that was my hate, too. I hated the monster. Especially, so, for the most part, the monster that we've had has matched up pretty well to the lore. Mm-hmm. Right? I think this is the first time where the, well, there was also Scarecrow. That was, meh. But this is seriously, seriously the first time where this is an actual act of religion. <laughs> And their concept of demons that you have taken and then gotten completely wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So why, if you're just going to make up a monster whole cloth. Make up a religion. Why even bother making it, yeah, why even bother making it Zoroastrian? And even if they were just purely shadow creatures, there was nothing to say that light would affect them. And then the fact that there are Deva out there with a hit on the Winchesters is never brought up again. It's just. Ugh, in real life and in fiction, it sucked. It sucked. Did not like this monster. Mm-hmm. They didn't even need the monster. This could have just been a Megazode. Yeah. And it would have been great. Could have just been Meg going around <laughs> killing people. That yeah. would have been fine, too. That would have been wonderful. Her demon... Oh, can you imagine her demon, like, leaves the Meg body and sneaks past the alarm systems and causes Meredith to commit suicide? Yes, possess Meredith, have her off herself, and the, oh, in a really the, gruesome, like ritualistic cult way that would definitely still get the Winchester's attention. Yeah, we just fixed the whole episode. Yeah, we, we have a habit of doing that. All right, what did you love though? Let's whew, let's get some positivity in here because we love this show. What did you love? I love Meg. Like, I, but like one. All thing- right, Hannah, we're two for two. We both hated the monster, and we both loved Meg. Well, I also loved furthering the plot. Thank you very much. Okay, maybe me. But the one thing I love about Meg, and it's similar to why I love Lucifer, is the way that they speak to someone is like, you're not sure if they want to sleep with you or murder you. 
It's <laughs> like I I don't know what you want. I, should I should I run? Should I kiss you? Ah, <laughs> uh, it's so hard to tell. Yes, and, and and that's that's what I love most about her is just like she keeps you on your toes. So my love was Meg as a bad guy. I enjoy her. I'm still there's still a lot of series to go where. They bring her back as a regular character, and then I just don't know how I feel about that. But at this moment, as a bad guy, I really enjoy her. Because we don't really know her motives yet in this point in the show. But as they're being presented right now, she just brings chaos to the show. Mm -hmm. And she's so good at being honest while being a liar. And the actress, oh, this actress, she just Mm -hmm. acts the shit out of this role. And it seems like she's really having fun with it. Mm -hmm. And she has great teeth. Like, I want to kiss you, teeth. You just want to kiss her teeth. I just want to kiss that mouth and have those teeth near me. <laughs> hey, you ever just... Okay, fine. I'll shut up now. She has great teeth. Well, it, it <laughs> makes me think of the Inuyasha movie where he's, like, turning into the full-on demon. And Kagome comes up and kisses him, like, right on the teeth because he's snarling. Okay. Are you there? I'm here. Okay. I'm just trying to imagine... <laughs> Just kissing the teeth of a smart, a snarling creature. <laughs> it's it's a little smelly in my imagination. Yeah, it's just the smell of teeth. Yeah, bad breath. Meg doesn't have bad breath. Uh, she does. She definitely does not have bad breath. All right. Well, Hannah, why don't you tell us what we'll be watching Open next time? Your eyes. Look around you. It's a beautiful next time. Life. On Sisters Talk Brothers, we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 17, Hell House. When a case of a seemingly average haunting begins to go awry, Sam and Dean come to find that two bumbling wannabe paranormal investigators, Harry and Ed, are already on the case. This synopsis comes to us from Amber Brook on imdb.com. Thank you, Amber Brook. Thank you, IMDb. Even though you did change one of the words in her synopsis. She said, she said haywire instead of awry. <laughs> oh, did I say awry? Yep. Oh. <laughs> I mean, similar letters in there. I'll, I gotcha. <laughs> My bad. Um, and thank you, Amber Brooke. Um, what the fuck? Ghostfacers is season one? Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. I cannot believe they this. They have lasted so long. They need to bring the Ghostfacers back for the last season, I swear to God. Like, they need to showcase everyone that is still alive. It is kind of incredible that they've killed all these women, but the Ghostfacers are still alive. They have women on their team. Later. One. Yeah. There's a couple women still alive. Fair. Fair. (laughs) But I think they're only alive because they were trying to start a show with them. (laughs) (laughs) But holy shit, I love the Ghostfacers. Me too. So I'm excited to see this, even if I hate this case, and I hate this monster. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I remember this is another bullshit monster. <sighs> Man, season one and season 14 really just bringing it full circle. <laughs> Alright. Well, if you want to reach me, you can find me on Tumblr at Kindle Abroad, and perchance on Instagram at Kindle Kindle Kindle. If you would like to reach just me, you can find me on Tumblr at jailbreakfiend, J-A-I-L-B-R-E-A-K-F-I-E-N-D, or on Instagram under the same name. Oh, also my Misha blog on Tumblr is Everything Overlord. And you can contact the both of us at sisterstalkbrothers at gmail.com. Love it. Love Love it. it. Good, good stuff. (sighs) All right, well then... That does it for us. That does. Take us out, Hannah. Take me home. So tune in next week for... More monsters, maybe. More brothers, maybe. And more sisters, maybe. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.
Hey, we made good time. Hell yeah, we did. Holy shit. Did we talk about this at all? <laughs> did we? Did we? Did we talk about this episode? Here, I'll, I'll recording now, so I'll just say it again. I'm all liquefied. <laughs> I'm more liquid than anything else. I don't... It was funnier the first time. You had to have been there, listener. Dean again encourages Sam to have a meaningless... Have a... a <clears throat> have a sex. <laughs> have a sex. He's gonna go do the sex with her. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to do the sex. But because of Dean, I bought it. That is how advertisement works. <laughs> Where Sam shivvies... Shivvies. <laughs> go, 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 go. Dean again. <clears throat> Dean again encourages Sam to have a meaningless inter... Hey! hey. You did it again! <laughs> <laughs> Does Dean like Sagittarius's? No, I think he just... Happened to meet one. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> alright, alright. I, I know, I know. <clears throat> Dean again encourages Sam to have a meaningless encounter, which Sam scoffs at while... Do- <clears throat> oh, damn it! <laughs> wow, I didn't know that such is a hard sentence. <laughs> oh, well. Ooh, the word aforementioned is in my notes, and I'm, I'm impressed with myself. <laughs> Dean, again, encourages Sam to have a meaningless inter... although he was respectful in his advice to sam about biting but making sure that you don't leave teeth marks okay so a demon of the shadows that loves to read all right you ready to do this thing i'm ready to do this thing (laughs) so excited Ooh, say it again. Ooh, Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. Ooh.